From 2 Corinthians 13, 13, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We are so glad that you are seeking God with us, and we pray that the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you. I am Brian Niebank, pastor of Zion United Church of Christ Fireside in Bellevue, Ohio. I thank you for joining us today as we seek to walk together with God, expressing our love in Bible study and prayer, living the life of the church and serving others and worshiping God. May God bless you today. May the meditation of our hearts and the word of my mouth all be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. At our book group on Wednesday, we were talking about how we often do not know the whole story. We blame someone or get angry at someone when we only know a part of the story. Zophar and the other two friends that came to see Job after the tragedy that he experienced assumed that he must have done something wrong to earn that suffering. He warned Job of all the bad things that happen to wicked people and is concerned that Job may be among that population if he does not repent of his sin. Job, however, is convinced that he has done nothing wrong. As the reader of Job, we do know the full story, because it has been explained to us in the beginning. Satan wanted to prove to God that Job would break his faith if he was not blessed as he was. God believed that his faith was strong enough that he would not break. One of the major themes of this book is that it is unveiled that you do not necessarily have had to do something wrong if you are suffering. There is a very good possibility that you actually do not deserve it. Before you start making assumptions about someone else, perhaps you need to recognize that you do not know the full story. You do not understand what caused the circumstance that you are agitated about. In Zophar's case, he was agitated that Job would not take his advice and repent. He was agitated because he cared for Job. He did not want Job to be seen as a wicked person. But he, as well as the other friends, did not understand that he may actually not have done anything wrong at all. I am sure that you have made assumptions about people before knowing all the information as well. You are a teacher or a professor. 
The student fails to hand in their assignment, and you get upset with them. You assume that they do not value their education. What you do, what you do not know is what happened to that student over the past week. You do not know about the crisis in her family or the friend who needed help. Or perhaps even how the student was having to deal with many adult responsibilities beyond her age. Perhaps you are a pet owner. Your pets get into something they are not supposed to, and you get mad. I was trying to think of some of the things that I could get mad at my cats for. But it is difficult to keep me mad for very long at all, so I don't hold that against them. But I was thinking about it, and I noted that I could get upset at the cats for scratching me. But there's always a reason for it. You picked me up, and I didn't want that. I'm sorry I was scared of something like that huge vacuum cleaner. It makes a lot of loud noises. And I was just trying to escape. That's probably what goes through cats' minds, right? They had no intent to actually harm me. After all, they know that I'm the one who feeds them. (laughs) My first challenge for you is this. Is there anyone who you have not forgiven yet? If so... Do you think you know the whole story? Ephesians 4, verses 26 to 27, tells us to not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. In other words, letting the sun go down on your anger is giving opportunity to the devil to conquer you, to defeat you, because you are holding on to that anger. Letting the sun go down on your anger does give opportunity to the devil to discourage your path with God. Seek first the path of forgiveness. Seek first to understand the full story. A lot of times that will involve a lot of listening. But as per the golden rule, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Would you not want another to forgive you? Would you not want another to listen to your perspective, to understand what you mean? It is better to take the time and listen to understand than to remain angry or agitated or judgmental. Another reason that we need to forgive is because our eternity depends on it. Jesus told us that we will be forgiven so long as we forgive our brothers and sisters. We will be forgiven so long as we forgive our brothers and sisters. If we choose not to forgive because we want to be right or because we are just afraid to approach someone, we are risking the very forgiveness of Jesus. 
I reiterate the challenge. If you have someone who you need to forgive, what can you do to either forgive or learn more about their situation or both? It is important to note that forgiving someone does not excuse the harm that has been done to you. The first order of business is to is not to ignore them or shut them out, but to share how you feel to de-escalate the situation. Once they admit that what they did wronged you, the path is completely open for forgiving them. But if you do not try to come to an understanding, it is just the same as refusing to forgive because you put no effort into it. Remember that forgiving someone never means forgetting what they did or not holding them accountable. But it allows you to move forward with your life without it bothering you so much. It gives you a sense of peace. It gives them a chance to start anew. You can use your energies to be focused on other things. A third reason that we need to forgive is to remove the anger and malice from our heart. Holding on to anger and malice only hold us back from developing into who God wants us to be. When you hold on to anger, you are allowing the person who you are angry with to control you without even trying. Your biggest victory over them will actually be forgiving them because they will no longer be able to hold you back emotionally. Further, anger and malice are vices. And if your heart is filled with these, there is less room for experiencing the positive attributes that God has in store for each one of us. We are heading into the Lent season soon, which is about growing closer to God. We grow closer to God by removing vices and by making more room for the attributes of God. First, we need to forgive because we would want others to do the same for us. Second, our eternity depends on our willingness to forgive. And third, choosing not to forgive only separates us from our goal of becoming more and more like Christ. Have any of your brothers sold you into slavery before? For some, maybe yes. For others, probably not. Although sadly it may still happen occasionally in some countries. If this were to happen, you would be justifiably angry with these brothers. I am sure that Joseph was angry when his brothers threw him into a well and sold him. When he next saw his brothers, the first thing he said to them was, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? 
What would be the first thing you would say to your brothers in that case? Brothers had thrown you into a well, sold you into slavery, and now you control whether they get the food that they need to survive the famine. Be like, I have power over you. This showed you right. Something like that. But that's not what Joseph said. He says, I am Joseph. Yeah, it's me, the one you sold into slavery. I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? He does not avoid them. He does not criticize them. He does not gloat about his high position in Egypt and his ultimate power over them. He cuts right to family matters, something that they both care deeply about. He connects with them on a common emotion, on a common care that they have. Maybe we can take a lesson from that too. Connect with someone on a common care like their father's health. He makes this emotional connection. His brothers did not say a word because they were distressed. They were shocked and probably full of shame, thinking that their only hope for food is lost because of what they had done to Joseph. Surely he would not forgive them for what they did. Surely he would cast them out hungry. But that is not what Joseph did. He forgave them. He paid no attention to their previous deed except to tell them not to worry about it and promise to provide for the whole family. He even brought them down to Egypt so they could be better cared for. After that, his brothers were able to get some words out. They talked lovingly, not in anger. They even kissed and wept together, as the last verse of our Bible selection tells us in Genesis 45. They reconciled with one another. The brothers were surely blessed by the forgiveness that they received, even though they had wronged Joseph, even though they did not really deserve it. They were forgiven. Can you give that gift to someone who deserves your resentment? Can you give the gift of forgiveness to someone who deserves your resentment. This is an opportunity to share the mercy that God graces us with. If God gives you this grace, what is stopping you from passing it forward? God's mercy is not to keep for ourselves, but to share with everyone And we were told in the gospel lesson today, be merciful and you will be shown mercy. Psalm 37 is a poem of adoration of the Lord. Most notably, in relation to forgiveness, the author tells us to refrain from anger and forsake wrath 
For the Lord rescues his children from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. The question here is, do you take refuge in the Lord and trust in everything the Lord provides? Or do you take refuge in your anger? Do you feel protected against someone's ill will when you hold anger against them? I find that the comfort in God's mercy is much stronger than guarding against any one individual who has hurt us. Jesus commanded us, as we heard in Luke chapter 6, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. When we give mercy, we are also given mercy from God. Never seek to aid in division. Seek out paths for reconciliation. Some of you have someone, a friend or a family member, who have really hurt you. It is not just a scratch from a cat, a missed assignment from a student, or a misunderstanding. How can you be kind to someone who has done you harm? Here are three helpful tips. First, predecide to choose kindness. Make your decision now that you are going to act like Christ to whomever you meet. If you wait until you decide in the moment, your emotions at that time will govern your response, not your pre-decision. Second, picture yourself being kind and patient. Picture yourself answering a toddler's question for the 30th time that day. Showing kindness in all your words, your tone, and your actions. Picture yourself just showing kindness in everyday circumstances. And third, act kindly and patiently wherever you go. Say hello to the stranger at the store. Reach out to the people, to people on the phone or in person. Let people know that you love them. When you practice expressing kindness to others, it will come more naturally when facing those where anger may be an obstacle. Decide to be kind, picture being kind, and actually be kind. Go ahead and think of that one person who you need to forgive. There may be more than one, but focus on one right now. Know that it is possible by living a kindness attitude, making kindness natural to just about anybody. How will you create a kindness attitude today in yourself? How will you refrain from retorting back to the comment that put you down? Perhaps you have pre-decided not to retort back. 
Very often, I have been told that I am too young, too incapable, too inexperienced. I've mentioned before I face it as a chaplain, too. I could offer many retorts to that. But what would be gained? My response could justify their assessment of their capabilities and of my capabilities. Or it could show them that I have predecided to be kind as Jesus did. It could show them that I believe in God's mercy and that I portray God's mercy. Nothing will be gained from retorting back and trying to get that last word in. May God bless you by removing every obstacle to finding hope in God's goodness, including the obstacle that is a lack of forgiveness that is harboring anger. May God's mercy abound among us. So thanks be to God and amen. Thank you for joining us here at Zion United Church of Christ Fireside in Bellevue, Ohio. If you would like to reach out to us, we would be thrilled to journey with you on your walk with God. Call us at 419-483-6658 in the United States. Reach out to us on our Facebook page or send us an email at zionunited at gmail.com with any prayer requests or questions you may have. Remember to make time for God and confess Jesus as your way to God to give you hope in this life. May you be blessed by God and be a blessing for another. We hope to see you again.